With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Have you seen our crazy autocross video yet? It just dropped on YouTube <laughs> I'm yesterday. I'm laughing about it's, this. It was so absurd. Everything about it, honestly, guys, everything about it was less than ideal. Because we were intending to go to an actual track day at our local track, and that got canceled. Yeah. So we sat around going, yeah. we want to do something like autocross. We want to do some sort of track day. The tracks are closed. We can't go anywhere. We knew about this parking lot near us, yeah. which, as you may have seen in the video, is not ideal because there's concrete light poles regularly, <laughs> which is not what you want in an autocross course. So we had the crazy idea to bring our fun little two sports cars and these two big sedans and autocross them all, let's be honest, for the laugh, not for the precision. Exactly. And we had so much fun. We hope you liked that video. By the way, this is the parking lot that is the local Park City come teach your... Clearly. Person who doesn't know how to drive a Mm -hmm. manual transmission, insert them into the driver's seat, teach them how to drive. So we had, during that day, we had, what, five different cars pull into the lot? At least. What are you doing? Oh, are you going to learn how to drive manual? And sure enough, yes. there's parking, there's parallel parking, there's backing maneuvers, there's... What was hysterical... Was so funny. ...is the one parent and child that pulled in and saw all our cones, and you could see for a moment they were considering, should we run the course? And then they ducked away. I kind of wish they would have. I, I kind of thought they should have. I was like, yeah. it's here, you know, you're trying to learn to drive, let's duck cones, but anyway, yeah. Well, the conclusions on this video are hysterical, you have to watch it, and we had a, a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. yes, more for the entertainment and the sheer idiocy of it than anything else but well i have to go the fact that we did it i'm just proud of totally we've got more videos coming on this we got our road trip video and a, a fun kind of last blowout video on those hopefully not literally on those big sedans and then we'll do like a wrap-up of everything it cost and then we'll give them away to you so it can cost you and not us but they are have been very fun and we will probably miss them when they're gone which is the, ridic- <laughs> the ridiculous totally. absurdity of this totally. but actually shane asked us a question we have many questions coming later but he asked us a question about this video he said were we surprised by how tightly bunched the times were and i'm not going to ruin what the times were you need to watch the video but the cars were all a lot closer than you would expect which is when you've got a lotus a cayman a maserati quattroporta and a phaeton they're all closer than you'd expect (laughs) now there's a few things going on here first off uh there's some self-preservation going on because when you and i were in our sports cars the the this parking lot had just come out of having snow on it so it had all that awful gravel that you find that Mm -hmm. just makes everything slick and so we have these big concrete light poles and our sports cars we actually like and want to keep for a while. Yeah. So there is a level of like self-preservation going on when those cars are running first. But the course is also getting steadily cleared over time as we're getting toward funny. the big sedans. And we're also getting more and more toward cars that were just like, eh, whatever happens. So yes. all of these are factors. All of that combined <laughs> with the fact that the, the course was short. Your typical autocross course is running 45 seconds to a minute this was about a 30 second like course half of that yeah. practically yeah. yeah i also told you that i think you and i drove each other's cars our big sedans a little bit more gingerly because i didn't want to be the the person on whose watch the phaeton broke and i'm sure you didn't want the yeah. maserati to grenade on your watch i'd, I'd rather not yeah. so i think mm-hmm. you and i were just a little bit more ginger mm-hmm. on each other's and then when we got on our own cars we we're you know, hammering Whatever. on them let's just see what happens why not there's there's some really fun in car in that piece we'd love for you guys to watch it while we're talking about content we have in case you don't know already five seasons available 
for free on Amazon Prime right now. And mm-hmm. Season 6 has still got a cost for, for rental or buy. And then Season 7 will be coming. It's coming to Motor Trend Channel uh, f- July 4th. July 4th, Just 2020. Just from now yep. is the beginning of Season 7, and then that will come out to Amazon and Vimeo, etc. after that. So we're excited about that. We're going to do some updates to American Original. Mm-hmm. with the C8 Corvette. So that is coming as well. Big spoiler yeah. alert there. Well, not spoiler alert because I can't tell you what the car is going to be like, but we are working <laughs> toward updating. We realized when we finished American Original, our Corvette film, that everything about it is teed up for, we hope there's a cool mid-engine coming. Right. So now that we're right. getting in one, we're going to actually tack that onto the film. We're excited about that. That's on its way. A uh, bunch of new stuff because of the season and a lot of YouTube stuff is still coming too. Yeah, continued. There, in case you aren't aware, pass. stuff is happening. Yeah. Well, speaking of stuff happening, the <clears throat> BMW 4 Series has officially been revealed. Last that podcast, happened. it has not been revealed. That did happen. Yeah. But then it came out because, mm. you know, we all saw the spy photos and I just thought, okay, I'm pretty sure that's it. I just want to make completely sure mm. until I see the actual photos. And indeed, mm. the beaver the teeth photos. are in place, the nostrils, whatever you want to call them. Depending on the photo, if it's a dead-on front photo, front elevation, mm. I see nostrils. But then a little bit three-quarter, I see teeth. In the other angle, it looks yeah. like teeth. I totally agree I, with I that. I just yep. see giant nostrils, yep. and I'm trying to like put my thumb. I hold my thumb up to the monitor and <laughs> try to block it off. I'm like, what if they were... Nope. <clears throat> what if I held it like that? Nope. <laughs> it's all wrong. What if I just did the f- top half of it? Okay. Still bad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, already pushing on Paul for his design video for this. Cause, cause I'm excited. Your fixing the series was practically made for this moment for, in time. For this car. This is, this is the th- place where it will all come together. I can't wait. I just hope that this is not introduced on all future BMW models. But the head of design, which is fairly new, his name is Dominic, I believe. He's fairly new, and he's mm. standing on the strong character of here's mm. what we need, here's what the brand needs. And I'm in disagreement over here. I think more people are in disagreement and that BMW is going to be eating a cold plate of crow here in a couple of seasons when they mm-hmm. redo the entire front clip to something different. You know, the last time BMW tried prediction. to be bold was the Chris Bangle era. Some of that worked. Some of it worked. And it was sheet metal, which made it harder to change. This, True. to a point you've already made, is the front clip, which is not metal. This so is theoretically, this urethane. is the thing that every car manufacturer changes in the next two year or two anyway. I am making a prediction now. I think they do the 50-yard backstroke and do something else in place. They It's out for maybe a year, year and a half, and then they mm-hmm. go, yeah, here's the update. And everybody goes, whew. <laughs> And then, and then those will be the great used buys because nobody wants them. But then there'll be an aftermarket company that gives you an aftermarket front right. end and problem solved. But if you buy yeah. a new one and just tack it on, <laughs> it should theoretically fit in all the same mounting points. So you go to your body oh. shop, order one, and then stick it on. And I, I don't know. There's got to be problems. solutions. We're solving problems. Here it is. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's out. We've got to all make friends with this front end. I, guess, I don't know that we need now. to make friends, but we're, there it is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> couple Beaver of teeth. great card baits. Happy Friday, everyone. We've got Matthew C., Who is writing to us? We're not sure where Matthew is writing from. And it does matter because he is debating two cars. Mm -hmm. This is America versus Britain. Notice this. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And we've also, we've got, let's see, we've got Mark Mm -hmm. W. in Connecticut who has a commute debate and there's uh, there's some fighting words in here. In his there email. are some fighting words, and uh, he is a Honda guy through and through. Yeah. So we're gonna have to talk that up one side and down the Loads other for sure. Of questions as well. Yeah, for sure. 
We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care since 1990. Griot's is also a family company based in Washington State, and they're dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care from Griot's. Now is the best time to tune up your car care routine. Foaming requires little to no work, and it also avoids some wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your ride. Try out the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. All right, let's jump into the first debate from Matthew C. He's talking about America versus Britain, and what he's talking about is two particular cars. Mm -hmm. First of all, the second-generation Cadillac CTS V sedan. Mm -hmm. That generation ran from 2008 to 2013, and a Jaguar XFR. Okay. Remember this? Yeah. This yeah, yeah. Cool their, their sedan hot rod from Jaguar, for sure, yeah. The reason is he wants a 500-plus horsepower rear-wheel drive sedan with room for two kids mm-hmm. and luggage for the four of their family. He, his mm-hmm. wife, and two kids with a budget of $35,000. There, there are many things to say here. There's many things. What's interesting about Matthew's yeah. story is that he realized when they had their, their baby girl, congratulations, he realized, he and his wife, that they wanted to get more of a four-door family sedan. Now, we've debated up one side and down the other. We've talked about, is that necessary or not? But this has already happened here. But what he's doing is he's thanking us because the car that he had before he was a dad was a Subaru BRZ that he loved. And he bought it because we won't shut up about it. Well, let me be honest. I won't shut up about it on this show. (laughs) That's why he bought it, but he loved it. They decided it wasn't enough of a family car, so he got out of it as a result. The problem is that since he got out of it, he's already had a BMW, a 2009 3 Series, and it's been fine. It's just Mm -hmm. he he realizes, and and I thought this was really interesting because I don't actually think of it this way, and I know you don't. He felt like every time he drove his BRZ, it had a sense of occasion. Okay. Now, I always have liked that car. I like it in all forms, and I've said it many, many times, and you've rolled your eyes at me, and sometimes deservedly so. And many of you listening to the podcast are sick of hearing about the BRZ FRS 86. I get it. I'm sorry we're here again. But he talked about the fact that just the engagement of it was always present, and he always liked it. And now he's driven a family sedan and been like, eh. Sure, and that's just due to construction as far as the yeah. platform itself, just due to physics. Mm-hmm. I get it. But Wait, I think it's interesting that, that his conclusion of what I need to solve this, and this is where I want to talk about this further, but I'm curious where you are as well, Paul. Matthew said, what I'm going to do to solve this is get myself a 500-plus horsepower family sedan, which brings us to these two contenders. Yes. All right. So you remember that, ah, oh, the Jaguar XFR. Mm-hmm. They are inexpensive now, and they are within this $35,000 price range. He knows that I'm going to suggest something for 40 and we'll get there. <laughs> but what he He's does in his email, before. I like it. Matthew breaks down the pros and cons with lengthy paragraphs mm-hmm. for yes. both of these cars. Yes. And he says, I, I've done the great handling middling power cars, mm-hmm. but now he wants something with more shove that will hopefully handle well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this is a a different request, and I like the challenge. 
but he kept coming back to two similar but different vehicles. And so he breaks down the styling mm-hmm. and not just the power itself, but you know, this is the the kind of space that he needs. So that's yep, undeniable. Yep, we yep, can't yep, just yep. insert some hot two door fun car here. He, he wants a four door family car, but genuinely space, needs for it. sure. Yes. You know, he's talking about the Jaguar. He says this maintains an air of elegance and beauty and sensuality while still evoking muscularity, which I agree. Yes. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You've thought about so many different aspects of both of these cars. Let's go to reliability. That's one of the biggest ones, I think, that keeps him waffling back and forth totally. between the two cars. Totally, yeah. Because you think, yeah, I totally want the Jag. Hmm, do I really want that car? Mm-hmm. Now, when you compare it to the big sedans a ton I have, this thing <laughs> is all like relative. a Corolla, baby. <laughs> it's, it's much newer, and it's got to run like crazy, yeah, comparatively, yeah. He's also considering reputation and that differing from reality, mm-hmm. just like my reliable Maserati. Yes. Reputation versus reality. Yes, Everyone. My Phaeton, which mostly runs, but always has some sort of light on the dash. Yeah. It drips constantly. It does. It some, does yes. some sort of fluid. Some, some fluid is dripping. All yes. the fluids really just kind of want to get out. Fluid. That's car. like they just want to get out. Expensive transmission fluid ever, or uh-huh. just or they just all want to get out. They That's the other get part of, the of it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So right now, let's start with the reasoning for 500 horsepower. I'm I'm asking because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go straight to the other cars you've considered before you arrived at these two. I think that's great. Talking about the Panamera S, and he Mm -hmm. says he likes the design. Hey, bravo. Okay. Cadillac ATS-V, so the smaller version. Mm -hmm. Dodge Charger and the Chrysler 300, he doesn't care for the styling. He says the interiors feel pretty cheap. The Kia Stinger, he says, I've owned and loved a 2000, year 2000 Kia Sportage, so no brand snobbery. He just wants more power. Mm Mm-hmm. The Genesis G70, he does have a Maserati Quattroporte on the list, (laughs) (laughs) and an Audi S5. And he talks about the power, I think, being the great overcomer from what he loved about the BRZ. I think that's I, I, that is that I, seems I to be the think, thing, Matthew. That you're since you can't have the engagement of the BRZ. Clearly, he thinks that mm-hmm. the 500 horsepower is going to be the band aid. But the big question I have for you, Matthew, as I read all of these, I really and, and I don't have an answer. I want to have you on the phone because the truth is, have you driven anything on this list? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I look at the sense that you have, and and I come back to this thing that you and I have talked about a lot. And not only have I raged before about I don't think that anything over 400 horsepower is really that realistic or usable. Okay. Fun, okay. fun. I'm not going to deny fun, but realistic or usable, like something you can actually get into. I think one of the things you liked about your BRZ is that you got to use all of it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 500 horsepower is going to be that thing you're going to get into for two or three seconds on a nice straight piece of freeway, and the rest of the time it's going to not be able to be used. Sure. Yeah. I'm very curious, in the case of the Genesis G70, that is a, what, 360 horsepower V6? It's their Ish. turbo twin three, turbo V6 or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Have you driven that car? Have you even driven the Kia Stinger GT? Have yeah. you driven these cars? Because you don't drive either one of those. They have the same engines. Why I'm bringing them both up? You don't drive either one of those and go, yeah, this just isn't powerful. It's just, just not fast. Can't get out of its own way. I just I need yeah. power. I mean, you've had a you had a mid grade three series, and I agree that was probably not that interesting. That motor from Kia Hyundai is genuinely powerful. Watch our Blue Cars episode where it's the current 3 Series, that G70 and the Alpha Giulia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, G, uh, the G70 from Genesis was by far the most powerful and felt like it all of the time. Well, you get that turbo torque punch, which I know you get 
in a large V8 sedan as well, yes. but you have to go to 500 plus horsepower and there aren't that many choices out there. You've named two of them and they're great, but yeah, you have to come back to the Jag reliability. Is it going mm-hmm. to be parts and service? And it, is it, you know, yeah, we you own know. it, the more you miles know. you put yeah, on it. Sure. Unknown. I, I've been searching around Matthew and I haven't found a whole lot of really negative things about it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there haven't been like, yeah, this is totally awesome. You know, kind mm-hmm. of, it's a, Powerful, hungry car as far as maintenance. Yeah, Either one yeah. of these. Now, our uh, our friend Dale does have that second generation. He's got a 2010 or 2012, I believe. I think so, yeah. CTSV, and he loves yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he's been I think he got fan. it for 34 or something like that. Yeah. It's been tuned, as a matter of fact. It's very powerful. It's very comfortable. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. But there's things, apparently, that are keeping Matthew back from just the Cadillac styling alone. It's not quite all there. But with that power in the car, Todd's talking about the Kia Stinger and, yeah, the Genesis as well. Mm-hmm. That turbo torque makes you feel it, puts you back in the seat. And yeah. if that's what you're looking for that is kind of the fun, and it is, it is, then these cars cannot be dismissed outright. I agree. They I agree. just can't. Yeah. I, I, and I really come back to you saying you believe 500 horsepower is a figure. Have you driven 500 horsepower? You haven't even said that if you've driven these. Mm-hmm. You're considering them. I get the sense that you're kind of you know, bench-statting them. You know what I mean? You're looking at them next to each other and going, sure. oh, these all work. Sure. But, I mean, you even brought up the Quattroporte. The Quattroporte is not 500 horsepower. No. It's on your not. list. It's so I, I, I think you need to drive more of these because I don't think that 500 is a magic number. I don't I either. Think power feel either. is what you're going for, and I agree. We want let's get you some powerful feel. Let's get you a dad stealth car that is a bullet, but I don't think 500 is the answer. I don't either. I think the feeling of that mm-hmm. is what you're looking for, yep. but it doesn't really correlate. As Todd said, it doesn't necessarily correlate to you know if we're we're in the 480. Nope, that's off the list. No, yeah. 360 yeah, yeah. is not off the list either. Yeah, because of that feeling, and I do want you to have a car that does handle fairly well. And again, I mentioned we don't know where you are. We don't true, know, true. You know what kind of roads are around you or what city yeah. driving or commuting, that kind of thing. But we do want something that is not just a monster in a straight line. Yeah, agreed. agreed. It yeah. is delightful to drive all the way around. And you know, we're talking about bigger, heavier cars here. The two on my list, the extra ones that you have not mentioned, are the Lexus GSF. Now, this is not 500 oh, horsepower. Oh, okay. True, true, true. The problem is the newer ones that I want you to be in, like a 2016, mm-hmm. I found you one with 76,000 miles on it, but it's only $41,000. could probably oh. get it for forty. Yeah, but he's above. Yeah, I see. But it's 76,000 miles. Now, it's going to run yeah. great, but you yeah. know, it's probably just been commuted in. Now, those are also... You know, not quite 500 horsepower. True, yeah. Nor is the Chevy SS. That's Cars, top of my list. Or 16. Mm-hmm. But it's really powerful. It's uh, This was the cliche, but it really is an interesting comparo. It, it is the closest you can get to a four-door Corvette. Yeah. Because because yeah. look the the your your issue Matthew with the CTSV and I and I go with you here with the issue with the CTSV is you don't know that you like the styling at all. You, you're undecided on it. You think the interior isn't great. I agree with you there. The Jaguar interior is nicer, and the styling on the Jaguar is, is more timeless. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the CTSV can be for you and is, in general, good to drive. Great power, surprisingly good handling. Absolutely. We drove it in the wagon form and Absolutely. liked it. We've driven them on track. They're very, very good. You can get it with the manual transmission. You also mentioned how much you like magnetic ride. I wonder about – thank you for going to the Chevy SS, Paul, because I wonder if that might be the answer. Because what you like about the Caddy is the GM Chevy reliability and the magnetic ride, but you don't like the styling. Right, right. 
look at pictures, just pictures real quick, Matthew, of the Chevy SS next to that XFR mm-hmm. because they have similar styling. They're much more rounded and subtle compared to the Cadillac, yeah, which is all angular forms. and boxy. Yeah. I think the Chevy SS has a potential to age really, really well, partially because it was a moment-in-time yeah. car and also because the styling, while unfortunately not very aggressive in the time, I wish it would have been more aggressive, I think its lack of aggression is going to make it age better. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of room. You can get it with the magnetic ride and the six-speed. Thank it's, you. Again, it's yes. not quite 500 horsepower. You're not going to care much. It's, Honestly, it's still really powerful, really fast. If speed is what you want, if burnouts really? is what you want, or just anything, I, I, it's such a good combination mm-hmm. of everything. And it's more luxurious than a G8. I don't want you to go back to a G8. Sure, it's sure. It's more luxurious. The G8 is going to be in the category for you as the Charger, even though yeah, you know, I agree with that. Hellcat agree. is yeah, the yeah. solution here, but Hellcats <laughs> are not yet $35,000. But, but also, here's the other thing. We've driven the, the SS a few times, all right? We had it on a, on a back road. We had it on a track. Anytime I get out of that car from driving it hard on twisties, I got out shaking my head in wonder. Did it have a magnetic ride? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The fact that you can get magnetic ride, that is the game changer. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really good. So if you can get the magnetic ride six-speed Chevy SS, I... I think that's the winner. Oh, yeah. But I do like yeah. the Caddy and the Jaguar. I think the Caddy, my takeaway on your two is, I think the Caddy would be more of a laugh. Mm-hmm. I think the Jaguar would be something you would love more for longer. Okay, okay. Assuming it doesn't leave you stranded on yeah, the side of the road. Exactly. I Okay, my ranking here, Matthew, is Chevy SS is number one here. Because you do have the option of two different transmissions and the magnetic ride, which... And, and nobody GM parts. knows about these cars. GM parts. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's not the Cadillac. It's just this mm-hmm. subtle mm-hmm. thing. And, okay, so I'm going Chevy SS first. Then I'm going Jag, personally, okay. Okay. because I'm with you on the styling. I'm with you on the specialness of that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I then agree. just right behind it is the Cadillac. Mm-hmm. That's my ranking for you. You and I agreed. We we almost really? need to just stop the podcast I, right wow. now because I think we just uh, thank you after five hundred and however many episodes we're done now because okay. we had an agreement close the book and uh, <laughs> thank you for listening wow DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around it's simple by connecting car owners with renters DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. Renters can find special cars that they can't believe they can drive that bring the awesome out of every moment, and owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion to have the cars in the first place. To sign up, cruise over to driveshare.com or download the app on Apple, iOS, or Android. That's driveshare.com. Okay, fine. We'll keep doing podcasts. (laughs) In spite of our agreement. We'll keep going. We, 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 we do actually agree off and on. It is crazy. Yes. Mark's writing to us from uh, Connecticut, and he has a commute debate and also a little bit of a proclivity for Honda products. Yes, indeed. All right. He's 47, three kids. The oldest is 15 years old. He's out in Connecticut, as Todd said. The last cars he had were a Honda CRX, an Acura Integra, and a Ford F-150. He currently owns a lightly modified Acura TSX with okay. 210,000 miles. The commute is 40 minutes one way. He's looking to spend about twenty dollars to $30,000. So the reason this caught my eye is mm-hmm. because of your sentence a little bit further in your email. You said you prefer manual. Wife does not drive manual. It's fine. Your mm-hmm. wife has a 2017 Odyssey. So Honda again. Honda people. Yeah. And I love Hondas. Yeah. Reliability is important because you keep cars for several hundred thousand miles and mm-hmm. do, you do regular maintenance. Mm-hmm. 
but you're not a huge fan of Kia or Hyundai because of reliability. I noticed that too. That stuck out in a big way. Well, and it's stated, it's stated as if to say, I've had these and they're terrible, but yet his list of cars does not include a Kia or a Hyundai, mm-hmm. which leaves me confused about that. Because this is stated like one of those owners who said, I had one of those, I hated it, I'm never going back. Sure. But it's not on the list. Sure. Yeah. He doesn't list, he's not like... We're, and, we're unsure. Exactly. We're not, we're but, unsure. but because of the last cars listed and because of that statement, I would have expected he would have mentioned that he had one. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm very surprised with you. I don't think... I don't think Kia and Hyundai and think, well, avoid those for reliability. There's a lot of other things on the list before that. 20 years ago, maybe. 10 years ago, even. Yeah. But that's the perception. It is. And it is. as cars change and get better and warranties are, you know, get better and better and just cars in general continue to improve, mm-hmm. it's, we all do this. And I'm not calling you out, Mark, in any way by, by something that the rest of us don't suffer from. We all have a a preconceived notion of whatever that car is. The internet has a preconceived notion that Maseratis are to be avoided at all costs <laughs> and they will burn down by themselves at the side of the road and they will not make it from Salt Lake to Denver and back. It's it's not it's not just a randomly created thought, but I take your it's point. It's always you based have on something. Yes. I do agree. Yes, yes. It's always based on something, of course. But there's perceptions mm-hmm. about cars mm-hmm. and we all carry yeah. that. And then when something is different that completely turns that on its head we're surprised and we go what yeah yeah yeah. i I either like that more i hate that more whatever it is how how dare it run (laughs) how dare this car run how dare this car be good and i like it yeah door slam so when that happens to todd and i we're almost overjoyed because something that we brought to the table and we do this all the time we try Mm, to come mm. up with an open mind and then something just turns it on its ear and we go well that's wrong and stupid and why does it cost that much or whatever and then on the other hand we go well this is fantastic why doesn't everybody own one of these cars Mm -hmm. whatever that is so we love it when that revelation happens to us yeah yeah so i say that not to point fingers because this happens all the time and in fast blast we you know we get a car and we think wow it's going to be this way and then it's totally not Mm -hmm. and we love that well the other thing about this mark talking about kia and hyundai real quick i don't know if you ever heard this story i don't think i've shared it on the podcast before but i found it fascinating there was a, a an interview a discussion about kia and hyundai four or five years ago that was a kind of a debrief company debrief on their very famous 10-year 100,000 mile warranty for powertrain okay okay, okay. which because they for the longest time were the best warranty in the industry and that was one of the things that started to change the perception in people's minds but here's what's fascinating at the time Hyundai and Kia had a terrible reputation for reliability but at least their cars were cheap right okay so then the marketing department came up with let's do 10 years 100,000 mile warranty so we have the best warranty on the market to bring people into our cars right right that got approved by corporate okay that got put out there then it's big it's big it reverse rippled through the company because mm. now engineering and design and build processes looked and realized we have to make these cars different because they're going to keep coming back for a hundred thousand miles. So right. this marketing decision is fascinating to me. This marketing decision worked backwards through the company to now forcing them to make better cars that were more reliable so they didn't bankrupt the company on warranty claims. Exactly. Because y- you would ask the obvious question. If a car manufacturer is going to offer that good of a warranty, and by the way, it's 10 years, 100,000 miles on the powertrain, 
and five, you're 60,000 miles on the entire rest of Which the car. Which is still excellent. It's still one of the best in the industry. They claim America's best warranty. It's yeah. what they claim on their website. So I can't verify that, but that is really, really good. Mm-hmm. But you might say, well, their cars must be terrible if they offer a warranty like that. Well, if they're going to, to Todd's point, mm-hmm. that's just going to cost the company money. That yeah. is not a good business decision. <laughs> Car enthusiasm aside, that, right. that is just not good yeah. business to yeah. have cars keep coming back and having to repair them and fix them to cover up all the defects and that kind of stuff. So if they're going to offer and they're going to throw down like that, mm-hmm. and now that the cars have risen to that level, I wouldn't hesitate yeah. to own one, let alone recommend one to all of you listening. So I want to start off with my three choices for you, Mark. And first of all, a Mazda 6. I would love it if you went over mm. and experienced any Mazda 6 for 30 grand. You can get good ones. You can get fairly new ones. I think they're great to drive. They're wonderful cars. Do like them. The styling is elegant and it's interesting. Very it's very they're good. Good commute timeless. car for sure. Yeah, yeah. Any Mazda 6 for that money. As much Mazda 6 as you can pack into mm-hmm. those dollars. Okay? Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the Stinger. We've talked about it. We went through a wave of talking about it. Then it kind of went away, and then it's kind of back. It's coming. Look out. It's back. Do you know why? Why? Because they've dropped in price so much. Mm-hmm. I found you a 2018 GT1 Stinger in that gorgeous blue. Oh, it is a good 22,000 yeah. miles for $29,800, just under thirty grand. Mm. Very ah, good. That's done. very good. Excellent. Like it. Like it. Like Beautiful it. Beautiful car. Yep. But I do want to come to this recently driven we did a fast blast on it we just have included the same car in a tv episode against its competitors 2020 honda sonata hyundai sonata okay honda sonata look at me well but he's a honda guy maybe he'll buy it now hyundai sonata yeah exactly sel plus starts about well they start at 23 and then 33 or so is they start at 27 for the sel plus and then Mm -hmm. you know probably by 30 33,000 you'll be done they're fuel efficient. They're turbocharged. They have the NHTSA five-star overall rating. Yeah. They have the IIHS top safety rating. And you might think that's all mumbo jumbo because of the government and blah, blah, blah. That actually does mean something. It does, for sure. Yeah, a lot of testing behind that. And then the aforementioned warranty. And by the way, you mentioned you do service. They have Hyundai complimentary maintenance for three years, 36,000 miles. If you buy brand new. Yeah. I'm out of excuses, and I wouldn't hesitate to – now, I wouldn't hesitate to re- recommend this car and buy one and own one, but the styling is not for everybody. True. Agreed. What I love about what Hyundai is doing is that they're trying stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas I don't feel like the Accord is really trying stuff in the styling department. Honda's being safe, yeah. That Hon- Honda Accord, Hyundai Accord, <laughs> Honda Accord that you're looking at is going to be fine, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a known quantity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's no more interesting you just you know what you're getting. It's yep. Yep. not any more than you think it's going to be. Yep. Whereas Hyundai, that especially that Sonata, I really dig. I really like the styling. I really like where they're going with things. I like how it drives. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fast. Even with the one point six liter turbo, it's fast. Mm-hmm. And the warranty, the maintenance. I wouldn't hesitate to recommend this car. They're well built. Interesting. I'm I am a huge fan of Kia and Hyundai. I am a huge fan that they have pulled a lot of former design and engineering people from the German manufacturers mm-hmm. and they have their own motorsports history now and they they're into that and they brought us the N brand and all this stuff. So they're coming to play in a big way. No longer are they stuck in that you know, 10 years ago, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And the styling was even worse and there wasn't any interesting anything. So just 
for purposes of reference, I challenge you to drive the 2020 Sonata mm-hmm. and also the Stinger GT1 or okay. GT2. I, yeah. uh, you're in Connecticut. I know it snows and bad weather and all, all that stuff, but winter tires, saw that. And also this Mazda 6. So those are my three those are good. different choices those are very good. that aren't Hondas. Uh, Mark, uh, I'm going to do some similar challenges to you because my main takeaway for you here is drive homework. You've got a little time. You can do some drive homework. Definitely. I think you need to drive a lot of things. And I think the Honda stuff is known, and I want to talk to your Honda choices. Honda stuff is known, but let's not drive some non-Hondas. Brief side rant. Non-Hondas. Non-Honda. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Brief side rant, Mark. I th- I'm going to list real quick again the cars you've had slash currently own. Honda CRX, Acura Integra, Acura TSX, where it's just Honda, 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 Honda. Your wife has a 2017 Odyssey, and you have a Ford F-150. Why don't you have a Ridgeline? Why on earth oh. don't you have it? You should have a Ridgeline in the garage. <laughs> what, I, I just, I, it's all Honda garage. Where's the Ridgeline? Totally. I'm completely confused by that. No, seriously. <laughs> the, you've mentioned two Hondas. And again, this is a car for you to commute in. And I think the range of stuff you've, you've listed is interesting. Because as a possible commute car for you, you've listed the Civic Type R. You've listed the Honda Accord 2-liter Sport, which does come in a manual and is very cool in that regard, and the Volkswagen GTI. Mm. Now, you then later state mm. that you're concerned about German maintenance. So, okay. All right. Now, again, Volkswagen has also done its six-year, 72,000-mile apology tour on a bunch of cars that just ended. Indeed. So there's that as well. But what you've listed here is kind of stuff leaning fun. Not leaning commute. It's leaning fun, which I think is great. You want to avoid a CVT. So you would do the two-liter sport with the manual. I like that. You've also said that you're concerned you're too old for a Type R. Mm. No, you're not. Fighting words. You're 47 years old. I don't care. You could be 77 years old. It doesn't matter. Agreed. Agreed. uh, Get a Type R if you want a Type R. Get the Type R. I'm just going to be here. I I, I know maybe your wife is listening now. Hello, wife. I'm just going to be here real quick to say if you like the Type R, do not (laughs) avoid a car because you think, am I too old for it? I sat down next to a 72-year-old guy mm-hmm. two years ago at the ski slope. Yeah. Sat down yeah. on the ski lift. Yeah, yeah. Told me he was 72. He's been doing this for 50 million years, been skiing. <laughs> Since he was a fetus. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> he's been, he was kind of a you know, big bone guy. Yeah, so yeah he's for sure. Pretty larger guy. And we just got to talking super nice. And we came off the lift, and he promptly skied away from me at 72 miles an hour. Yeah. He skied <laughs> he his gone. age. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing super G down the hill. And I, could, I, I decided, all right, I'll, I'll try to stay with you. Throw down the throttle here. I'll, I'll put on the gas. <laughs> I'll light the fires. And he left me. Yeah. He was doing the large slalom, kind of old school, the big the edge big arcs, to the edge, big arcs, arcs yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way down. The guy left me, and I never saw him again. Yeah. Well, he skis his age, and he's 72. He's like, and there's plenty of people that say, well, I'm too old to ski. No, you're not. Yeah. It's all up here in your mind. But but even in the car world, the last time we had a, a discussion, this is a while back now, but we had a discussion about the Fiesta ST because a guy in his 40s was like, I don't think I can I can get one of these. And we argued that, yes, you can certainly get a Fiesta right. ST. And then we got an email from a guy, if I remember correctly, in New York who was 70 mm-hmm. and driving an orange one daily, and he said it was the most fun he'd ever had. And he just said, if anybody ever tells me they're too old for a Fiesta ST, I will yell at them. Okay? So if yes. you like the Type R, get the Type R. Yes. Okay? So there's that. I wanted to go there. But now I'm going to leave Honda okay. for drive homework. I love your Mazda 6 and your other choices, by the way. But you've kind of listed some hot hatches. I'm going to stretch your 
preferences by saying, I'm not going to go Kia. Mm. I'm going to go Hyundai Veloster N. If you're Sweet. shopping hot hatches, Hyundai Veloster Ns are currently available for twenty five grand. The one year old ones, you could just go get one. They are so. Sweet. Please drive homework time now. Drive the Hyundai Veloster N. I know it's a Kia or Hyundai product. I'm aware, mm-hmm. but you know what? Here's do me the actual this actual favor. Go drive a Type R if you haven't yet. Same day, go drive a Veloster N. Yes. I'm not. I'm not actually declaring for you which one is better. They're both superb. Yeah. But yeah. I want to make sure, even if you bought the Type R, which I think you'd love. Be sure you've driven the Veloster in so you can compare and contrast in your own mind. Because while the Type R is great, it has presets. The Veloster sure. is, how would you like your car set up? You can change Unlimited. everything, yeah, which can. is crazy. So drive that. And then I have others drive homework because I want to get you into something that is a new experience. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't know that these cars are for you, but since you have some time before you buy – Drive things and then go, what do I want to commute in? Because clearly you like manual and you like some stuff with some spice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you're commuting in this car. Right. You need to drive the Miata. You haven't stated at all that you've ever driven a Miata. Mm. Uh, that's a perfect commute car. Great gas mileage. Super fun. It is a driver's car. True. True. While you're there, yes, drive the 86 chassis in some form. Those are both going to run. You want to you drive a car for a couple hundred thousand miles? Both of those will do it. Yeah. Okay. Great gas mileage, all of that. I know you're concerned about reliability, but stay with me. Please go drive an Alpha Julia. (laughs) Just for, because you're driving the Type R, which is a front wheel drive, great handling thing. Let's go the opposite. Let's go rear wheel drive, great handling. Great handling on that car. A Julia with the two liter. 260-something horsepower, great handling. Just just drive a Julia for me. Be sure you've driven one. And also, drive a Porsche Boxster. Now, you said you're concerned about German maintenance. I hear you, but we've said this before. Generally, Porsches, while they when they need something, it can be expensive. They don't need something very often. Case in point, Chance Who Shoots for Us mm-hmm. just rolled over 175,000 miles on his C4 996911. Yeah, indeed. Now, Chance has spent some things on that. He bought it for $15,000. He spent some money on it when he's done some things to upgrade. So he's not a great reference for what stuff costs because he got like the better version of things. But it hasn't just, it's never randomly broken on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So he's done, I mean, look, he's blown through tires. Don't ask Chance about tires. He's blown through tires and, and, and alignments and those kind Porsche of things. tires. Because he's having fun. But the point I'm making here is I have a high mile, 130,000 mile Cayenne. He has 175,000 mile 911. We keep hearing more of these stories. Drive a Boxster. If you decide you love it, it's a pretty safe German dice roll. Mm-hmm. Sure. Comparatively. Sure. And then I have two wild cards. I went nuts. Oh, wow. I went nuts. If you're really driving a commute car, you want reliability, you can keep it for a long time, but its purpose is to commute. Nothing else we've talked about feels like commute to me. Okay. The, no. Even the stuff that you recommended doesn't feel like commuting. So I think you want something enthusiast, but if we're doing drive homework, and we are, man, there's a lot to do for drive homework, Mark. You need to drive these two. Chevy Bolts can practically be gotten for a song. They're practically giving them away. This is interesting. You've got a 40-mile commute, 40-minute commute, 40 not 40-mile commute. Yeah, yeah. My guess is it would help you. But also, BMW i3 for half your budget. You've got 30 grand. You get you know, use them for half your budget. My point here is I suspect that both of those will have plenty of range for you. They'll be totally different than anything you've had. And 
to some degree, reliability is out the window here because the general consensus is that electric cars have less stuff to break. Generally, yeah. yeah. Now, the problem is an electric car is going out to date as fast as your phone. It, they, they're, they're getting outdated because they are tech more than they are cars. Yeah. That yeah. is the downside of keeping one of them for a long time. The possibility of maybe needing to do a battery replacement. These are potential problems, but they're not actual like in front of you problems. But if you're buying a commute car and you want something different, please, in drive homework. I've got, a, I've got a huge list for you, Mark. I know I've gone crazy, but drive a Bolt, drive a BMW i3. There's something very different out there for you. And it doesn't, I'm going there, it doesn't have a Honda badge. Wow. Excellent stuff, man. Mark, you've been assigned homework. As you mentioned the Alpha Julia, I thought of the Quadrifoglio and how much we love that car. When we first drove the Quadrifoglio, we thought, all right, in three years, these are going to be 50 grand. How about the next phase? Now that they've been around, Mm -hmm. I don't know that they'll have super high miles when they're $35,000. When these cars are $35,000, that's exciting news. It's very exciting because news. that means they will have been around mm-hmm. and fine yeah. for that long, and they're now relatively affordable. It's the same time period in which you lock your doors because there's thirty thousand dollars Hellcats, yes. and then you run out of your door to buy yourself a thirty-five thousand dollars Quadrifoglio. Yes, it's kind of the same. Basically, FCA is scaring us all and exciting us at the same time. Is really what's happening. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. Questions starting out here from an email that we got from Ryan R. a little while back, who actually had three great questions on here. The first one is about dealer markups. And do we think markups above MSRP should be outlawed in the U.S. like in Canada? He said, there is a model from Honda you would like to buy. Can you guess which one? (laughs) Wait, wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Or do these markups help maintain a car's desirability or special factor to the extent of being worth it? Mm. Well, the answer is no there because of Camaro Z28s. Mm, When we drove the Camaro Z28, we borrowed it from a private owner who had just paid dealer markup and spent almost $90,000 brand new. It was fun to drive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we it was powerful, it. Yeah. sticky, fun to drive. It was <laughs> sticky. It's just sticky. Sticky is now an adjective stuck. that we like. Yes. The, uh, Patchy, the handly, and sticky. I like it. It's it good. It was so it's good. good. But I thought, huh, for as much as you paid, you just wanted one and you had the cash to be able to do so. Is it worth close to, is it worth 80? I could not say yes. I'll go you one further. Less than a year later. You could get a new one for like 50, like 10 or 15 grand under because the dealer markup of I have to have it right now. This is why it survives, unfortunately, because you have people that are willing to have money just to say I had it first. Mm -hmm. And I I do think it should be illegal because it's just straight up dealer greed. There is no actual reason for it other than we can charge it and somebody will come in here with more money than patience and pay it. But – 
the Z28, literally less than a year after this guy bought his for massive markup, you could get new ones for like the price of an SS. And now they're close to 30. Yes. Which is nuts. Here's my problem. I do think it should be outlawed. I don't like the dealer greed. On the other hand, I prefer market forces in everything. Mm. I want my house to go up in value because of comps. I want my house because of neighborhood comps and sure. somebody paid more for that house and maybe they shouldn't, maybe they paid too much, but that means they paid that much for the house and that mm -hmm. means there's neighborhood comps. That means my value of my house is going up. Sure. I like that. Sure. So why can't that apply to everything? So therefore I have to take that, take a step back from just cars mm. and think in everything. I, I want Chevy Bolt prices to be pushed down by, you know, the proliferation of tech so I can afford a. Beater yeah. Chevy Bolt for, you know, yeah, yeah. twelve grand, I sure. sure, or Fiesta yeah. STs because totally. they're no longer made and or yeah. brought to the U.S. I mean, but yeah. you know, I I do like those market forces when they are on the good side, but I don't like them in, sure. as far as dealer greed. So I cannot definitively say that it should be outlawed. I wrestle with that. I go back and forth. Yeah, but but the market forces here is dealers. They pick a number. That doesn't happen with houses. It doesn't happen with used car prices. It doesn't even happen, honestly, with auctions. Because auctions, you can get auction mm. craziness happens, and that's because somebody just bids and gets yes, excited and gets auction yes. fever. But that doesn't necessarily mean that every other Countach is going to sell for that. It just means it that one not. did. It, you it, know what I mean? Very true. And that happens with people we buying houses. We talked to Frank about this. Totally, totally. So the market settles things. And the, the weird thing about it, I know this may sound strange, but... Take a manufacturer. Take, I'll take Chevy right now for the Corvette. Okay. If the Corvette was so in demand that it could get the premium, some people are selling them for hundred grand, like ten or fifteen above the MSRP. Ridiculous. If a car maker is going to make a car that everybody wants, so that the market is going so fast that you do get into this happens with houses. You get into a bidding war. I want this house, and I'm just going to make up a number. I want this house at four hundred thousand. Yeah. But the guy that really wants it's going to pay five hundred thousand. He's got cash. He wins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've got the money. Is that insane? Probably a little bit, but yes. good for him. Okay. If if a car is going to be great and those kind of things happen and people are going to outbid to get the car, I'm fine with that. But the dealer is just picking an arbitrary number and the money is not going to the car maker. If True. Chevy or Honda or whoever makes a fantastic car that everybody wants and they're willing to pay above what they've said the market price is, I'd like that money to go to the car maker to encourage them to do it more. It just goes to the dealer, and that's why I have the problem. The market for houses goes to the owner. Exactly. It doesn't go to exactly the home builder. Right. That's why it bugs me because it goes to your local whoever who just said, well, I've got a commodity. I'm just going to make some more cash off of it. Sure. And I, I like the push and pull. Mm. Honestly, I keep going back and forth because it doesn't do anything to polish the laurels of that manufacturer. Or encourage them to make more cars that are great. No, it doesn't necessarily encourage that. But I, I just – I don't love it. But I, I like the push and pull. I'm, I'm so back and forth on this because there's endless examples we could throw at this. If we just keep it to cars – it's tough to really like that. It's tough to say, sure, go ahead and just mark it up because yeah. inevitably somebody will come in and pay it. Mm -hmm. And the dealer just takes the money and walks. Similar to dealer discussions, let me just stay right here. Facebook, Damien asked this question. You and I have talked about before wanting to have the everyday driver transport of fun cars we can take to tracks. I saw this. Okay. But Damien's going, all right, let's, let's flip that around for a second. What would the everyday driver car dealership look like? 
So cool. We're, we're angry at dealers right now. What would our experience be like for making a dealer? So, Damien, the Everyday Driver Car Dealership. I've given this some thought. I, I don't have definitives yet, but I'll tell you my first impressions on this. I wouldn't be concerned about selling. I, I would want to have a direct connection to manufacturer to get you whatever car it is, brand we're selling. But I would want to sell lots of brands, mm-hmm. first off. Yeah. And my concern would be talking to the person that came in about not what car they want, but how do they use their car. What do, what do you... What are you using your car for? I only sure. commute 10 miles and I go to the grocery store and that's it. <laughs> pickup they may, trucks. They pickup may, trucks. Well, they may come in wanting a pickup truck. They may come in wanting a super sports car and they're going to do the 10 miles. That doesn't mean we, they might still not leave with what they came in with, but that would be the discussion. It wouldn't be what are you here to look at today. It would be what do you need your car to do? And then there would be a real test drive circuit. I like that part a it lot. It would be... Actual, like, nail it acceleration, actual cornering, genuine braking needed. It would be a test drive circuit. I don't know if that's building a a big autocross or what it is, but whatever you're going to buy, let's drive it other than the mundane commute style. Mm. If if you're driving a minivan, let's find, if you need a minivan, let's shop minivans, but let's take it on that too and have a discussion. And have you looked at a car, look at the wagon while you're here. Look at the wagon. You you got kids. You you got a wagon right here. Let's drive that too. Let's talk about needs versus car model. That would be the first start. That would be how everybody would approach. Okay. And okay. then the second thing is every car that's here is intended to be a demo. No car that's here is intended to be the one you take home. You can if you really want it. Oh, well, I would like you to now sit down with your salesperson and let's build you your car. Let's build the way you want it and let's have it shipped to you when it's ready. I might add door number three okay. as the throw caution to the wind. I just want it because that does exist because of, sure. of the horsepower sure. discussion. Yeah. We could say, you know what? You're, you're never going to take this on a track. You're never going to drive. Your abilities aren't that way up there and you're never going to, you know, max yeah. out the performance of this car. Do you need more than 400 horsepower? Do you need more than 350? Mm. But then there's those cars like Z06 Corvettes and Hellcats and all those kinds of things that people buy just because they want it. Oh, that that's it might be like a curtain or maybe back <laughs> by the bathrooms in the back. Like what's behind this door? It's like the bed bath and beyond. What's what's back <laughs> what's, here? What is beyond? I no, still don't know. No, here's the thing. I, I I want to be clear here. I don't want to have it be a situation where you're just buying appliances. It's not where about. I want to I want to have an, an understanding of what does the person need their car to do. Then let's look at something other than what you came in for. Thinking I need a truck or whatever. whichever way that goes. Just, you mean just because of sure. the things you said you'd like. Sure. Let's drive. If you're looking at seven seaters, let's drive a wagon. Let's just drive a wagon just because ultimately the biggest thing is the person needs to leave wanting to drive that vehicle, not just I'm going to take it home now and pay the payment and I'll use it again on Monday because I have to take the kids to school. I want you to want to drive it. And if that is the minivan, I think it's a weird choice, but okay. But at least you drove stuff here and we talked about what you need and what do you like and tried to merge them. The same thing we do on this podcast. That's emotion is what you're talking about. And that factors in Mm -hmm. to everything that we talk about and that applies here and we give that a far higher score than just yep i just needed to do these things and that's all Mm -hmm. but emotion does come into play so all of those things wow all right add the man's on instagram sees more and more interest in off-roading these days do we think this is a trend 
that will steer car manufacturers, their business plans, and would we lose long-awaited sports car variants? Not sport badge trim, but actual variants mm. like the inline or Corolla GRs or thing like, things like that. I think there's room for everything, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think there's the more people are into off-roading and the more true off-road models that exist, bring those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I hope people use them for, you know, as intended and not yeah. just posing. Yeah. But indeed, I think there's room for everything, but I think that will differentiate the line even more because car manufacturers like Toyota are going to want the extreme stuff over here, mm. but then they go all the way to the GR stuff over here. And maybe that pushes them to have the broader enthusiast, emotional line of cars rather than even 10 years ago. Toyota was not known for emotion true, true, true. in any of their products. You know what I wonder about with this off-roading? I, I, I don't know. Somebody I'm sure has got a study to show whether or not it really is getting an increase or not, but I agree among enthusiast circles, I feel like, I'm meeting more people that have traditionally been about speed and sports cars that are now going, what about off-roading while we're here? Mm-hmm. I wonder, and I'm asking, is it because there's fewer people and you can use the capabilities? If you get into off-road, you oh. wind up somewhere in the middle of nowhere by yourselves, away from the hustle and bustle that is the normal big city life. Sure, yeah. And you can drive at walking pace and use the capabilities of this crazy off-roader that you built or bought or whatever. If you have your McLaren 720S and you didn't go to a track day and you live in Los Angeles, (laughs) congratulations on having a 720S, but when have you actually gotten away from people and used its capabilities? Maybe never. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons that off-roading is kind of turning people's heads a little bit because they realize they can go out and actually do something a way that feels like mm. a getaway, mm. and I'm look at look at the suspension travel. Look what it'll do. Sure, interesting. Wow. All right. Mark asks this question. I can answer it real quick. Best hot hatch for twenty five thousand dollars. A first year Veloster N. They're twenty five grand. <laughs> you got now. me there. They're twenty five grand. I want. It's one just of those. great. They're they're great for that. It's not what I would spend twenty five grand on because I still want rear wheel drive. But best hot hatch done. Mm. Continuing the conversation, more questions from Ryan R. asking if manufacturers should consider downsizing more to, mm. to go more specific. He's talking about Nissan when they had a ton of SUVs in their lineup and you know BMW and Mercedes have a ton of different models. I think they need to continue to get more specific on the job. That doesn't necessarily mean mm. more prolific. Oh, I see where you're going. But, yeah. But specific. Yeah, yeah. If, if this is the sporty fun category over here yeah, and we yeah. have, you know, that's why I like the N line. I mean, I do think Toyota should GR everything in their lineup, but I say that as <laughs> GR a GR Camry. Seriously, bring that. <laughs> but is there a business case for it? Fair point. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great question. For the Corolla, sure, I think so. For, mm-hmm. you know, the off road stuff getting even more extreme, sure, yeah. But those. Uh, it, it costs a lot, a lot of money for car companies to have all these different models. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the bigger the car company is, they reach more markets, and so they're willing to do that. There's so many cars around the world yeah. that we do not see in the U.S. I yeah. mean, that you know are proliferated just because of engines and you know size requirements and all that kind of stuff. And that is a business case for them. But you don't want a car manufacturer, on the other hand, to just make you know here's our five cars. 
you know, then you get Aston Martin, you know. Well, yeah, but, but those can be great, too. I mean, sure. the, the thing is we wind up with BMW on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, wait, five people will buy that variant. Let's make that. Seems and like at that. some point they have to reduce to try to focus themselves. And I mean, we joked recently about that upcoming Nissan teaser thing that happened with the 400Z in it where there's like four or five SUVs at the back that could be the same one. Mm-hmm. Do we need that for manufacturers? But everybody wants to be in a market segment because they're worried about missing out. I will say yes in the case of Nissan when you have this product portfolio that is out of control and nothing really matches except for you know that ugly grill on the front and you're trying to make <laughs> the Frontier has existed forever mm. and you can still buy one. The current 370Z still exists and you mm. can still buy one. A 40th or 50th anniversary. <laughs> Does somebody have that garage where they have a 40th and a 50th anniversary 370Z? Yes, I would anybody who owns that. one of them, yes. Well, yeah, whoa, nicely done. Right? That's very good. So in the case of Nissan, they do need to focus, mm-hmm. bring it way back to just a few. Mm-hmm. But then as sales start to grow again, as they get good and as those cars mm. are recognized as being good – then you can grow. Then allow yourself to grow. But don't just try to serve every market. You've got GTRs and Versus. <laughs> Nissan, who are you? Yeah. And by the way, the key fob is the same on both cars. It is the same on both cars. Which That's is a problem. Insane. Brandomness on Instagram says, okay, if cars like the 4C, we've talked about the Alpha 4C many times, because we like it and we want to love it. <laughs> That's really where that is. If cars like the 4C leave something to be desired in the handling, they leave something to be desired because they are unreliable at the limit. <laughs> Do the same corner twice, done it. Do the same corner twice on the track, the car acts differently both times. Uh-huh. That shouldn't happen. If it leaves something to be desired, can't that behavior be corrected with alignment? He's saying, couldn't you take cars that, because all cars are to some level of adjustability, could you take a car that isn't good and fix it with, with alignment? Yes and no. Various cars have different levels of adjustability, and sometimes you can't get the adjustment that you need, Mm. okay, because the parts just don't move enough. So there Mm. is that possibility. I'm not claiming to be an alignment expert, but that does happen on cars. But the bigger thing you're talking about here, Brandon, is is being your own R&D department. Do you want to buy a car that is known to not handle as it should and try with your local alignment specialist to fix it? Do you want to do that? I mean, look, there are most cars have an alignment that comes from the factory and then you can do what's called a track alignment or you can do a loose alignment. You do all kinds of things where you can go to your alignment guy and go, I want it like this instead of the factory spec. That's Mm. not that uncommon. Okay, that exists. But you are R&Ding now. But in the case of the 4C, I'll go specific there. There apparently and I got to admit, it's it's a splinter in my brain that intrigues me. There apparently is a fix that some person, not Alfa Romeo, fixed how to do the alignment on the 4C so it handles like it should. And there are pieces you can put into the front suspension that supposedly, you can't see my air quotes, fix it. (laughs) Okay? But that person, how much R&D did they do? This is the big question. You're trying to take a car that wasn't set up, quote unquote, as it should be from the factory, as you hoped it would be from the factory, and aftermarket fix it. It's possible. It's money and time. And do you want to do that? All right. A question from Louis Pepe. Anyone else not like how cars are styled these days? Lewis feels that all cars look like they have body kits and side skirts and lip spoilers. And he used to make fun of people who added these to their cars, but now they're that way, kind of in stock Mm -hmm. form. Why can't we go back to rounded out edges like the AC Cobra and the E-Types and the Mm -hmm. C5 Corvettes? Mm -hmm. Even heavy-duty trucks have these unnecessary front lip spoilers. I think it's our phones. 
I think it's our attention hmm. span for everything these days. Okay. All right. We're so distracted and we're multitasking, which I still think there's no such thing. You're just doing that thing for a few minutes and that thing for a few seconds and that thing for a few seconds. <laughs> I think our attention span is so splintered mm, with mm. everything. We have to have something in front of us. Sure. Yeah, I've yeah. seen people get out of their cars, pull their phone out of their pocket for the 20 steps from the parking lot into the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got to check. What did you accomplish on your phone? What did you look at that changed your life? Everything changed. The whole world changed just in that 20 look steps. Up. Yeah. Just look up and walk <laughs> into the restaurant. Why did you have to check your phone? Did you? Yeah. And there was no perceivable text or call. It was just like, I guess I'll just look at my phone because yeah. I'm bored for yeah. the 20 steps. Yeah, for sure. So car design has come around mm, to visual interest. It's got to capture our eye, capture our hearts, capture the design that I want to spend time with that. I love that mm-hmm. thing. And it has to go farther because it's not a disposable product. Ooh, good point. Phones, by comparison, are disposable. Yeah. You might have it two years. Well, your car, okay, maybe two years, but it's an expensive object. Yeah. It's got to yeah, yeah. look good to your yeah, eye for yeah, a yeah. long time. It's got it's to do stuff. There's got to be a lot going on. I gotta, <laughs> it's gotta it's be got to hold my attention, things man. Things and stuff and wings and bubbles. Yeah, yeah. it's got to keep my attention three years from now and still look good to my eye. Well, and you've talked Tough. before and- we see it in phones while we're at phones. Phones are simple. You know, and Apple has <laughs> won all these awards for the simplicity of their design of a complex object. But if you go back to those E-types and those old Ferraris, it was English wheel. You had to do simple flowing shapes because you couldn't do complex. Now we're on right. the other end of the world of technology where it's like, you want to make that shape? We can figure that out. So designers, we can tool that so designers are, are able to go nuts. Yes. And it's getting approved for them to do weird hard creases and, and a couple of lines that Duck under. We just had that. Yeah. Uh, what was that? That Toyota CHR. Uh huh. That yes. had some crazy side it's, cuts it's in it. Busy. Because it's busy. let's be honest, they can from a manufacturing standpoint. It's not like that car was three hundred thousand dollars with weird side cuts. It's cheap mm-hmm. with weird side cuts, so it's possible now. So I also think that's restraining. That's that's taken away the restraints, if you will, that used to be there. Where it's just like this has got to have a nice flow because we got to make it. And those nice flows, man, they age well. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. I always thank you, mm-hmm. but I mean it. They're great. They're really, really, really appreciate it. It is your Topic Tuesdays. It is your car debates. It is your car conclusions. And it is your social media questions that keep us going and just thrilled to hear from you, all of you. Really appreciate it. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>